Alright, so 2 Peter chapter 2. Um, obviously, we don't have a ton of time today, and there's a lot of verses on your, on your page. We won't spend a lot of time in detail on each one of them, but... I'm, I'm a big uh, proponent of letting Scripture uh, explain itself. I'm a big proponent of allowing uh, Scripture to explain it, uh, itself. And I, it takes the pressure off the teacher. It takes the pressure off the, the student of the Word of God when you feel like you have to create and develop. And that's really what we're going to talk about today is this balance uh, of allowing Scripture to speak for itself versus really this concept of false prophets and, and teachers. But look at the first three verses in 2 Peter uh, chapter 2, uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, 1 through 3, uh, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth be evil spoken of, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. So we're going to spend a little bit of time today really talking about these false teachers and false uh, false prophets. And I'm going to try to get my affairs in order here with, the, with respect to the PowerPoint so you all online can see it as well. What we're going to talk about at first is this who, uh, the false teacher, false prophets and false teachers. We'll then talk about how they do it. We're going to spend most of our time today in this lesson on the how and then with respect to, to when. So the who, the how, and the when. The false prophets themselves, we talk about this. Uh, again, there's a lot of verses here, but I'm going to pull out some specific concepts out of these. There's a lot of teaching in Scripture about false prophets and false teachers. Jeremiah 14, 14, uh, then the Lord Lord said unto me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake I unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination, and the thing of naught, and the deceit of their heart. And so even to what Brandon was talking about out of John chapter 3, when, when he read this morning in Scripture, there is something that can come out of the heart of the prophet that is deceit. And you have to really try, and that's a, we'll actually see that in First John 4 here, but you have to really try and trust the Holy Spirit uh, with these things. In Matthew 7, 15, Beware of false prophets which should come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves or ravening wolves. So the, the way a false prophet will hook their victims, or at least one of the ways, and we'll talk more about the how, but look at this. They're going to come in sheep's clothing. They're going to come as this gentle, often this gentle teacher, just trying to explain, just trying to, but what they're doing is they're literally grooming you. And and that's kind of a new concept for me uh, with, you know, with, with some of the, the, the really bad efforts by some adults in the community uh, to, 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 to get these, you know, inappropriate relationships with, with people and with kids is this concept of grooming. It's the concept of, of, of trying to, 
to, whether it's psychologically or emotionally or otherwise, get people where they want them so they can manipulate them. False prophets will do the same thing. Look at this in, in Matthew 24, 11. Many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. They have to deceive. That is by nature uh, the way they work. The deceit of their heart that we saw in Jeremiah 14. They shall deceive many. Mark 13, 22. Look at this. The similar passage. False Christs and prophets shall rise and show even signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. So they have to take truth and they have to manipulate it in a way that it is deceit. So maybe it's 80% truth or maybe it's 90% truth or maybe it's 99% truth. Maybe it's 20% truth. But they have to, well, they almost always take some basis of truth because they want to hook, and then they they twist it. Look at John, First uh, John four one. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but as I mentioned before, try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out in the world. This is a problem that everyone will deal with in their walk, uh, in their Christian walk. This is not a, a rarity. This is a common occurrence. There will be false prophets. There will be false teachers in every church. In every ministry, I mean, I guess if you keep dividing down to a point where you get to a small group, I can't guarantee that there's going to be a, a false prophet or a, a false teacher in there, right? Uh, I, you know, I've always, I've always hated that when, when, when pastors say, in a group this size, there must be someone that's say, uh, unsaved. Well, if you get a group of people together that are saved, that doesn't make someone there not saved just because there's enough people in the room, right? So uh, at some point in time, there will be a size of ministry where false prophets don't, you know, where the, the proof of the ministry has, has, has fleshed all those things out. But my point here is this is not a rare occurrence. This is a common occurrence. False teachers, false prophets love to make their way in. And they literally get joy. They get pleasure in causing people to err. And that's really unfortunate. It's, it's really unfortunate. And so again, false prophets and false teachers are very similar. He in in Second Peter he references that there have been false prophets, right? There were false prophets among the people, really in the Old Testament, even as there shall be false teachers among you. So we have to learn from the false prophets because what we will have in the church are false teachers. So Acts twenty, twenty nine through thirty specifically tells, for I know this, that after my departing, Paul says, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. They're literally there as minions of Satan. They're literally there, influenced of of demons, to, to tear up, to destroy. And it continues, also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw disciples, uh, to draw away disciples after them. This is something we always have to be mindful of. There will be men and women that rise up through the ranks of ministry who feel like they're owed something, they have a vendetta, they have a personal agenda, whatever it is, and they will draw disciples after them. And if someone in this church is trying to draw you away from 
I'll call it middle of the road teaching and trying to draw you to these fringe concepts or even concepts that appear to that don't set right with you that that don't seem to 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 jive with the with the teachings that you've previously heard but but boy they've got a really compelling argument or they can take you to a really interesting website be very careful scripture says these people will arise among you so to some degree, I'm not going to pull a Sam and say, turn to the person next to you and say, are you that person, right? I'm not, do not do that to this morning, right? We're not going to go there. But you have to be mindful at every interaction. You have to be mindful. You have to give this the attention it deserves, okay? In 2 Corinthians 11.13, For such are false, uh, false, false apostles, deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. This is not a good transformation. This is not them getting saved. This is the the this is the concept that they're going to present themselves as very spiritual. In Titus 1 111, the, the admonition of Paul to Titus is to literally stop their mouths. To literally shut them up. In many cases that's to not give them a platform. Right? That's a, to, to take away the platform that they have um, that, because they can subvert whole houses, teaching things that they ought not, and in some cases, for filthy lucre's sake. Now, filthy lucre, it's interesting. I mean, we almost always focus on the, the monetary aspect of that because there are, you know, the concept of televangelists. There's the concept of teachers that are doing that, right? That's true. But there's more to it than just filthy lucre as far as, as this. The, the concept of pride, the concept of, of being the man in teaching is something that is filthy. And if there's another admonition, another uh, pause that I would, I would encourage you is be careful how you stroke the men or women who teach amongst you, okay? Um, I am not a big fan of applause in church, I don't think that's the place for it. Now, I realize there are times to applaud someone. I realize that there are times to that there's that maybe an amen doesn't seem to to sit well, right? Like like if if somebody just got married, like I have no problem giving them a little round of applause. Like, yeah, congratulations, right? But but and and I've even seen this at Midtown. You've got to be careful because sometimes people will be presented as the man. You know, the man, the myth, the legend. I actually heard somebody introduced at this church when they were getting ready to preach. I don't think they did that intentionally as a lifting up in pride, but we have to be very careful because that person is not a man. Well, at the best, he's a man. He is not a myth and he is not a legend. Anything that is good that comes out of that man comes from the Holy Spirit. And we have to be very, very mindful that we don't lift up men because one of the things that can happen here is that they can arise up out of the, because they get they get an element of pride, and um, it's this place. I, I think I've said it many times when when I've taught, especially up in Life Serial, wearing the balcony. This is a place of honor for me to stand here, not a place of honor that I need your honor. Like, this is a very solemn, a very somber, and a very grave responsibility that I have. And if I teach you wrongly, that's a big stinking deal. That's a big deal. 
I certainly take it serious. So how do they do it, right? How do they do it? Because our time is short. Well, there was a list of these seven things that were that were in Second Peter, and, and we'll go through them pretty quickly, but damnable heresies, teaching things that lead to ultimate destruction. So people that teach damnable heresies teach people that really you just need to ask Jesus into your heart. Wait a second. The last I checked, like, that's not the teaching of Romans. Like, you know, you, there's a lot of people out there that have asked Jesus into their heart, but they never came to him. And, and look, I'm not a lordship salvation guy. I am, I, and I don't think, like, you come with the faith of a child. But I think there are times, there are times when people have come to the Lord to get out of a situation or come to the Lord by giving him their life. That isn't what he asked. He asked for them to be saved by trading their sin for his righteousness. Like, and there's, I'm sure, some percentage of the people that have been taught a damnable heresy because they've missed, you know, you've heard it probably said, you know, missed heaven by, you know, a few inches because they have it here and not in their heart, right? So Deuteronomy 13 specifically says, talks about, and again, we don't have time for all of it, but it says that if a prophet... Even if they have these wonderful signs and wonders, but if they cause you to go away from God, they're not from the Lord. So despite despite the polish, I mean, there was a period of time when I thought in order to be a really cool pastor, you had to a preacher, you had to wear a vest. Like I'm just kidding, but like and have a beard. Like there were all of these national scene pastors seem to have this kind of shtick to them, right? And, but some of them specifically are teaching things that are damnable. Continuing on, denying the Lord that bought them. This, this premise here is that, that, that potentially they were even saved, right? But they're literally rejecting Christ's advent. Christ's advent, his coming to the earth. Jude 4, Jude chapter 1, verse 4. There's only, you know, Jude. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and the Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ. There are some people that will literally get to a point when they have sucked you in enough, when they've groomed you, that they'll say, Jesus is just a concept, or Jesus was a really good idea, or Jesus came, but he wasn't the son of God. But by then, you're brainwashed. So you've got to be really careful with people that deny the, the very Lord that bought them. They're pernicious ways. Now, it's interesting. Pernicious and damnable are the same Greek word. Pernicious and damnable. So they have this ultimate destruction. Their heresy leads to damnation. But they have these destructive tendencies or destructive tactics. Right? They don't edify. They cause division. And the division is very subtle. They'll say things like, I'm not sure I agreed with Sam's message on, on Sunday. I think he had that wrong. And it's like, well, but you've said you've agreed with Sam. And I look, Sam's going to make errors. I'm not, or, or whatever. I mean, he's not, certainly not infallible. But they'll start destroying. They'll start breaking down. You know, you know, it's interesting. At a cellular level, when things break down, it leads to death. It leads to death. So they will start breaking the ties in the body. 
Um, Proverbs 10.29 says, The way of the Lord is strength to the upright, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. Destruction. They like to destroy. Evil tr- uh, spoken of truth. They literally will twist Scripture. They'll literally twist Scripture. That same reference that I had up here about denying the Lord in Jude 1.4, that same set, same verse says, Turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Literally saying, well, if God's grace is upon me, then that gives me freedom to go do whatever it is. Fill in the blank, right? Because I have that freedom. And people will misuse the freedom and the liberty in Christ as an occasion to sin. And Paul said, God forbid. God forbid. We shouldn't do that. That's not why he bought us. He didn't buy us. He didn't redeem us so that we could continue in sin, right? Covetousness. They desire for themselves. Some preachers and teachers, they, they're literally in it for a paycheck. They're literally in it for a paycheck. And I heard a story. I don't know if it's true, but I, I do believe it uh, based on where I heard it. That there was a pastor who demanded to take a, 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 a salary compensation uh, survey across the congregation to figure out what the median of the income was of the people in the church and he demanded double honor because that's what scripture said. So if the median income in the church was $55,000 in a home, he demanded 110 because scripture said he was worthy of double honor. Well, he was dangerously close because double honor is that I get a, if I was a, a staff pastor, I would get a paycheck and I would get the spiritual blessing from being a spiritual teacher and guide, a, a father. Like That's an honor for eternity. That's the double honor. You, you get paid. You can pay your house payment. You can have groceries on your table. And you don't lose those at the judgment seat of Christ. Those are double honor. Not that guy. He got, he's getting it all right here. Like That's not going to last. So some people just do it for, for covetousness, for themselves. First Thessalonians 2, 5 says, Neither at any time use we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness. Almost always a cloak. Almost always this, I want it for myself. Because most pastors won't stand up in front of their congregation and make that, uh, that claim. Most, of, most people don't know what their pastors even make in salary. And I would challenge you... If you are worried about that, if you have an issue with that, I would encourage you to set up an appointment with with Sam to talk about the administration and how the money is spent at the church. I, I believe in transparency, and I think that's really important. Feigned words. These are molded or manipulated sayings. According to Jeremiah 23, 16, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Hearken not unto the words of the prophet that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. So they literally manipulate the message to benefit them. I mean, this is the televangelist concept to the nth degree. Literal feigned words. They literally will find scripture. What was the... What was the uh, uh, the prayer of uh, Jabez, right? That was a, that was a big deal back. I don't know. At this point, it's probably been 15 years ago, right? Where I can just pray that, and my you know my uh, uh, bo- uh, borders will increase, and all this. But it was very monetary. It was very it was very estate centric. It was very 401k centric. It was very 
material and earthly and sensual and devilish, right? Be very careful about twisting Scripture to to manipulate to your own... I mean, I, I don't ever remember hearing when that was a big deal that people were mentioning, oh, that we would have more souls in eternity. It, that's the borders I want increased. You know? I mean, that's what I want. I don't need a faster car, a, a bigger whatever, you know, more horsepower or whatever. I just need folks saved. That's what I, I mean, good night. I would love that. Make merchandise of people. They use literally people as stepping stones. They're, they use people, right? Revelation 18, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty, pretty, um, actually go ahead and turn there. Revelation 18, this one um, is, is really hard scripture, I'll be honest. I think this is harder than what the disciples went through in John 6 when he said, eat of me, eat of my flesh. This is this one's this one's tough because if you look at John 18, or John Revelation 18 by by John, um, he starts in verse 11 and he says, "And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn for her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more." Okay. Now, this is not because there was a, a, a stay-at-home order, right? This is, you know, it's not, the economy didn't go da- down because people weren't out going to the movies. This is the merchants of the earth shall, this, this, this fall of Babylon, the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn for, over her because no man buyeth her merchandise anymore. And then it starts in verse 12, the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones, all these things, it continues down into precious woods and vessels, then 13, it's spices and ointments. But look at the end of verse 13, or middle of wheat and beasts and sheep and horses. So it goes from inanimate things to, to living things. And then it goes to horses and chariots. And look at this, and slaves and souls of men. There are people out there, literally, even today, who are buying and selling slaves and the souls of men. That's a very real thing. And those false teachers literally don't care who they step on to get ahead. They literally don't care. All, it's, it's their collateral damage. You know, there's a, a meme going around, you know, and I don't remember what, I don't remember, it was so funny, but it's that concept, well, if he dies, he dies. You know, oh, uh, 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 Drago, right, from, from Rocky, right, when they were fighting in Rocky three. Four. Four? Four. You know, I must break you, right? Right? And, and, and if, he, if he dies, he dies. That sentiment is, very, is much more prevalent than, than any of us ever realize. There are people, I mean, you, it, it, it is the makings of a good spy movie. You realize how much collateral damage is in a good spy movie because there are just these countless numbers of people, these innocents, these, these you know, plebeian types, these, these folks that are inconsequential souls of men. So this is how they work. And we always we have to be super diligent. We have to be super diligent. And yes, we can give people the benefit of the doubt. But once people go here, we need to call them out. There's biblical ways to call them out personally, take them to uh, you know, bring brethren, you know, uh, Matthew 18 and you know, go to the church if you need to. But hey, 
this needs to be dealt with. I'm not suggesting that there is a specific person in mind. I am not suggesting that this is a problem. We came to it in 2 Peter chapter 2. It is what it is. But the warning is for us. And in the last few minutes that we have left, I want to talk about their judgment and damnation. Their judgment lingereth not. <clears throat> Excuse me. Their damnation slumbereth not. So, you know, uh, I can't remember. It just literally popped in my head. How long, O oh Lord? How long? You know, before before your judgments come in. In Second Peter two nine. So just a few verses down from our text, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. And look at this: to reserve the unjust unto the day of justice to be punished. He literally has this. He's made a reservation. He has made a reservation for the unjust for their punishment. It will come in time, in due time. It doesn't linger because it's on his timetable. Damnation doesn't slumber because it's he is absolutely awake uh, to what needs to happen. Deuteronomy 32, 35 says, To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot, their foot shall slide in due time. That's a that's a that's a command. The Lord, it's a confident statement. The Lord's saying, I to me belong to vengeance and recompense, their foot shall slide, for the day of their calamity is at hand. And the things that shall come upon uh that shall come upon them make haste. It's there it's it's gonna happen exactly as I the Lord appoint. It's not gonna linger, it's not gonna slumber. It's going to come right on time. And Jeremiah 14, 15, Therefore saith the Lord concerning the prophets that prophesy in my name, and I sent them not. Yet they say, Sword and famine shall not be in this land. But look at what he does. By sword and famine shall those prophets be consumed. So literally, he uses their words against them. And I can't... That it just brings, uh, I think it's Matthew 7, uh, it brings to light that, you know, in that day many will say, Lord, Lord, and they'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. There are a lot of people, I don't know if a lot is 7, 7,000, 70,000, or 7 million, I don't know, but there's too many. I know there's a lot of people who will look at the Lord and say, didn't I do this? Didn't I do this? Didn't I teach? Didn't I have wonderful online presence during the pandemic? I mean, we reached so many more folks than we ever reached in person. Well, maybe it was because your message was you know, garbage and was full of lies that people were willing to believe. I don't know. So that brings us to our very last verse and we'll close for today. It just really reinforced and in, in, in Brandon's teaching through Psalm 23 has really been something that was a blessing for me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Literally, we are in the presence of I'm not sure that necessarily within these four walls or the four walls that encompass that room or the four walls that encompass the entire church. I don't have a person in mind here, but scripture says these people will arise from us. They will come in and they will try to manipulate. And and proving people out is important, but what is the, what is the biggest blessing of all of that? is that the Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
even while I'm even while my enemies are there, I can consume. I can take in scripture. I can continue my spiritual journey. I can grow despite being in the presence of those who want to do me harm. It's a great it's a great confidence. It's a great blessing that the Lord can give us that we can continue to do the things that we've been commanded to do. Disciple, grow, evangelize, see folks saved, see folks uh, baptized. We can we can grow in our own personal walk and the depth of, of studying scripture and things like D2 and LFBI. We can do those despite, and I'll literally use this example, despite the person that's the enemy being right next to me, right in my presence. So 2 Peter continues to be a very relevant passage, uh, relevant um, you know, book for us in, in today's uh, day and time. Um, you know, I hope the things I, you know, obviously was a little short on time today with the little, some of the technology challenges getting going. If there was something that I said that didn't set well with you, if you need to press me on this message or at any point in time, I welcome it. And I welcome it with accountability. If you ever think, hey, I don't like the way you said that phrase, or I felt like there was more of, more of an agenda in that point, I welcome you. I, matter of fact, I beg you to get together with me and one of the pastors of this church, including Sam. I, I will stand behind my words. I will explain them. I will apologize if I need to. I will make it right. I will do what I need to do because I want to be transparent. I am not... I am not going to stand up here in front of you all or at any point in time and lord my words over you. That is not... I. I it's scary for me to think about that, but it's incredibly scary for me to think about that in light of eternity. It's very... The, 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 the judgment seat of Christ is a terror. And it's a terror, I think, in part to those, according to Scripture, who said they were bought, they were paid for, and yet they twist scripture. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the chance to get together again. We uh, we love you. We thank you for the depth of your word. Uh, Lord, I just pray that the things that you showed me were communicated effectively, not for my uh, glory, for my edification, but just that your word was effectively communicated. I trust that your Holy Spirit uh, not only interpreted, but filtered and expounded on the words that came out of my mouth. And Lord, I trust you for that. Uh, thank you for first loving us. And uh, we look forward to how we'll uh, continue to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Gracers, Shane, good seeing you guys. Take care. Thank you.